Hello there everyone, hope you're all keeping well. This week's edition of the Black Country Talking News is for the 14th of September 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902-880-111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Christine. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Mina, Ian, Helen, Angela, Christine, Ed, Liz, David, Pete, Steph, Alastair, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, some local news from the black country. We have the quiz with Mina, news from Wolves and West Bromwich Albion, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, news about an upcoming site loss event, information about digital magnification, a 10 day workout, and rounding us off, we will look back on what life was like when Queen Elizabeth II was crowned. However, we start this week with our guest the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always, some local news, brought to us by Christine, Ed, Angela, Ian, and first up, it's Liz. More train services between the West Midlands and London are an absolute priority, and rail firm Avanti may lose its contract. Ministers say all options are on the table, but admit there is no indication when services to and from the capital may return to normal. The operator has run fewer than half of its normal services since August the 14th and blamed the reduction on unofficial strike action by drivers. The firm says it normally runs around 400 trains per week, with drivers voluntarily working on their rest days for extra pay, but that dropped suddenly to fewer than 50. Transport Minister Trudy Harrison faced shouts of when from Labour MPs after she made the comments in the Commons to a question about Avanti West Coast services that connect the West Midlands to London and Manchester. Miss Harrison told MPs, Avanti has reduced its timetable in response to the withdrawal of the rest day working. Reducing the timetable provided better certainty and reliability for passengers as it reduced the number of short-notice cancellations. The department continues to work closely with Avanti to monitor performance whilst it continues to review the demand data 
and the position regarding train crew availability to inform options to reliably increase services. An increase in services between Manchester and London remains an absolute priority and Avanti will continue to look for opportunities to support passengers and businesses along this route. Miss Harrison earlier said the West Coast Partnership Franchise Agreement is due to expire on October the 16th, telling the Commons all options were on the table, adding, Withdrawing Avanti's contract is one of those options, but we are bearing in mind all of the implications of that. Staffordshire Tory MP Sir William Cash said the strikes are completely unwarranted, but Avanti has got to get its act together soon, saying he's been using the line for 37 years and I've never seen it in such a state. The leader of the UK's biggest nursing union visited the Black Country to urge its members at the area's NHS hospitals to vote for strike action in a forthcoming ballot over pay and nationwide nurse shortages. Pat Cullen, the General Secretary and Chief Executive of the Royal College of Nursing, spoke with nursing staff at Warsaw Manor Hospital, Russells Hall Hospital in Dudley and New Cross Hospital in Wolverhampton, along with RCN representatives from the host NHS Trusts. Ms Cullen's three-day tour of hospitals in the Midlands came as new figures revealed that the number of vacancies for NHS nurses in the region soared by nearly 18% to 9,336 in the 12 months to the end of June, with around one in eight registered nurse posts unfilled. The RCN will ask its members working in the NHS across the UK to vote for strike action in protest at government pay freezes and below inflation pay awards, stretching back more than a decade. The College believes that a fair pay deal will help to tackle the growing nurse staffing crisis in the NHS. The ballot opens on September 15th. Ms Cullen said... Nursing staff are burnt out and ministers choosing to suppress their pay well below inflation in a worsening cost of living crisis is forcing more to reconsider their future. Rather than leave a fantastic profession, I'm telling our members that enough is enough and the time has come for them to vote for strike action this year. The new Prime Minister must act fast to give nursing staff a pay award that their hard work and dedication deserves as part of resolving the all-engulfing NHS crisis. News of an emergency package to help shield residents and businesses from soaring energy prices has been met with a mixed reaction by food banks in the region. Food banks previously warned that many people will not cope with the winter months as grocery prices rise and fuel bills spiral. And many collection points explained how they are finding it hard to cope with demand. The Good Shepherd in Wolverhampton has worked for more than 50 years to support homeless people and people in need across the city, providing hot food and food parcels as well as support around housing, finances and mental health. CEO Tom Hayden said the measures announced by the government, which includes preventing the average annual family bill in Britain soaring past £2,500 for two years from this autumn, do not go far enough. It's nowhere near enough, he said. People are struggling now and have been facing the reality of heat or eat. 
even going up to £2,500 will push people into poverty. The chief executive of Briley Hill-based Black Country Food Bank, Jen Coleman, said it was positive, but more could be done. She added, I think it will help, but that's still a massive amount for families who are already struggling with the cost of living crisis. Even people in employment are struggling. That is a very quick reaction and is positive, but there's still a lot more to be done. Speaking about recent demand, she said, we are really busy. The phones are ringing off the hook. People are so worried about winter that people are worried about spending the money they do have. Parents are going without so their kids can have something. Rank-and-file officers have slammed police chiefs for being soft on knife crime in a call for tougher sentences for weapons possession. West Midlands Police Federation Chair Richard Cook said the force's top brass were too busy making excuses for criminals. He said there were instances of youths arrested with blades but not being locked up and warned the criminal justice system was sending out confused messages. Sergeant Cook also said officers were frustrated at a lack of backing from chiefs who had overseen police station closures and politicians who had slashed force budgets. It comes after the latest official figures show the West Midlands has the highest rate of knife crime in the country, after offences increased by more than half over 12 months. Sergeant Cook said... Most of my colleagues would agree we need tougher sentences, but unfortunately the powers that be, chief officers and above, don't seem to agree. They seem to be too busy making excuses for criminals. There's confused messages going through the criminal justice system. Even at the point of arrest, I can tell you examples of people who have been found with knives in areas where murders have happened, and because they're still classed as juvenile, they've been refused detention in custody. That's because of protocols within the system and they need to stop. And what the police need to do is make sure that whenever anyone's caught with a knife, they're kept in custody, they're charged and they go before the courts. He added, we need far tougher sentences on knife crime. There's supposed to be rules around repeat offenders going to prison and even those aren't enforced. We see time and time again offenders with the most vicious weapons on the street that we have arrested we have dealt with, we put them before the courts and they're released the same day. The Office for National Statistics said gross domestic product rose by 0.2% between June and July following a drop of 0.6% in the previous month. Britain's economy staged a modest rebound in July after contracting in June, but growth was held back by the searing heat wave and pressure from rocketing prices, official figures show. The Office for National Statistics said gross domestic product rose by 0.2% between June and July following a drop of 0.6% in the previous month when the output was affected by the Queen's Platinum Jubilee bank holiday. But July's growth was lower than 0.3% expected by most economists and still leaves the economy at risk of dropping into a recession at the cost of living crisis hits households and businesses. The ONS said GDP was flat in the three months to July compared with the previous three months. Record hot temperatures in July meant that there were some lost working days, in particular in the construction sector, as it was too hot for workers to go out on sites, while there was lower usage of electricity, which hit the production industry. But the ONS said soaring costs were flagged in particular as a hit 
to growth in sectors such as the construction. More concerning, July's GDP remains below the level seen in May, pointing to an overall contraction over the first two months of the summer. This ties into a downbeat outlook for the UK economy, which could see another shallow recession from the end of the year, driven by the ongoing squeeze on households' income and a rising cost burden for businesses. Experts believe the extra bank holiday for the Queen's funeral on September the 19th could affect growth again this month, with economists pencilling in a 0.2% hit to GDP from the lost working day. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from Beacon. I hope you're all keeping well and what has been a momentous week really for all of us, hasn't it? Like everyone here at Beacon, we were so deeply saddened to hear of the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. And of course, our thoughts and heartfelt condolences have been with her family over these past few days. I guess it's really been a time for us all to reflect, but um, of course, we've still been supporting people with activities, advice and guidance and all the other things we do, like the teaching of new skills. In fact, prior to the news of Her Majesty the Queen's passing, we took our members out on a boat trip with our friends at Wildside Activity Centre in Wolverhampton. As well as a leisurely trip along the canal, they also got to stop off for fish and chip lunch, which I'm told was enjoyed by all. If you'd like to join them on our next trip out and about, call us on 01982 880 or Email inquiries at beaconvision.org. That's it for this week. Short and sweet. I'll be back again soon with another Beacon update. Cheers for that update, Helen. Up now, it's another block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine. Fines totalling more than £6,000 have already been handed out to fly tippers in Dudley who have been caught red-handed on a new CCTV system. Over the past 12 months alone, 15 people have been caught on camera and fined for dumping waste illegally. Dudley Council has invested more than £1.7 million in a new network covering towns and estates across the borough. The new system uses state-of-the-art cameras capable of capturing detailed images hundreds of metres away and can tackle a range of crime and antisocial behaviour. There are also deployable cameras which can be used to target hotspot areas. The network has helped the authority catch fly tippers in the act and issue them with £400 fines each time. Recently, a woman was caught dumping a carpet at the side of the road in Howes Owen. The cameras have also captured someone dumping an old sofa, drawers, bed bases, a mattress and a sports bag left on a car park after a shopping trip. Councillor Laura Taylor-Childs, Cabinet Member responsible for Community Safety and CCTV, said, The new CCTV is having a great effect in helping us catch people who break the law. The system is so advanced it will pick out details over long distances, which makes it easier for prosecutions. The cameras send out a stark warning to would-be fly tippers. There really is nowhere to hide. This is just the tip of the iceberg for what these cameras can achieve in helping us to create a safe and inviting borough. There is much more to come from these cameras, which are already proving a great success. New cameras have been placed in town centres and key locations across the borough. 
there are now more than 450 images being beamed into a dedicated control room 24 hours a day, seven days a week. An investment of more than £350,000 to make Wolverhampton City Centre a safer place for women has been welcomed by council bosses. A bid for funding in round four of the government's Safer Streets project has seen the city awarded £356,667, which will be used to provide more safe spaces and extra community guardians to protect those enjoying a night out. City Council Cabinet members on Wednesday gave their full support to the initiative, which will also improve CCTV and street lighting over the next 12 months. Council leader, Councillor Ian Brookfield, told members, I'm really pleased to inform people that we have been successful in our bid for over a third of a million pounds, 356,000, for round four of Safer Streets. The focus of this particular round is reducing violence against women. A large portion of that funding will actually be used to put feet on the streets, so there will be an extra 68 nights of Wolverhampton's safe haven and also an additional 10 police officers who will be present in the city centre. Within this particular bid, there is also training for the people who need it, taxi operators and door staff. It's recognising those particular incidents where women are in a difficult situation and we need to help. There are also community guardian schemes and extra work with P3, the housing and homelessness charity. It's a very targeted bid and as there is a heightened awareness of more heinous crimes, this is welcome news. It's a welcome boost for the upward surge in the nighttime economy once the civic halls are open. Council chiefs have drawn up plans to fix a dangerous leak that has caused havoc on a Dudley Road for a quarter of a century. The leak on Woodfield Road in Lower Gornal, which can be seen on satellite images, leaves part of the road and pavement covered in thick green slime, causing it to become an ice rink every winter. Dudley Council has vowed to make fixing it an absolute priority and said a long-term solution will be in place as soon as possible. Dudley North MP Marco Longhi said despite the leak being inspected on many occasions over the years, nothing had been done to sort it out. He said the pavement and part of the road are covered in a thick green slime with water flowing through it. It is a small stream and it has become dangerous to both pedestrians and road users. One resident told me that he had slipped in the middle of the road when trying to get to his car. A local postal worker I bumped into also told me that the pavement became an ice rink every winter. The leak on Woodfield Road in Lower Gornal, which can be seen on satellite images, leaves part of the road and pavement covered in thick green slime, causing it to become an ice rink every winter. Dudley Council has vowed to make fixing it an absolute priority and said a long-term solution would be in place as soon as possible. More schools in Wolverhampton are being encouraged to open second-hand uniform shops to help cash-strapped parents struggling to buy the required clothes for their children. Leader of the city's Conservative group, Councillor Wendy Thompson, said many parents had found themselves hit badly in the pocket when it came to kitting their children out for the new school term, with the ongoing cost-of-living crisis showing no signs of improving. 
A lot of families simply haven't got this sort of money to spare, especially given the current economic climate. And there is no doubt they will really feel the pressure to make sure their kids have the correct school uniform, she said. Even when I was at school, it was incredibly expensive to make sure we had everything that was required. My parents weren't well off and I had to have the correct blouses, a pinafore dress, science overall, gym outfit, a Mac hat and blazer, which was the most expensive item. Added to that was a leather satchel, tennis racket, hockey stick and all the books. I know times have changed and perhaps children don't need quite so much stuff, but it is still a very costly business, said Councillor Thompson, herself a former teacher who has raised four children. Councillor Thompson said she would be putting forward a question to next week's full council meeting, asking what was being done to encourage schools in the city to have a second-hand uniform shop to ease costs for parents. I know some schools already operate a used uniform shop, and I would like to see the council get behind this and support it. School uniforms have a limited shelf life as pupils only wear them for a few years and then grow out of them. This is a real win-win situation for everyone. It reduces the costs for parents whilst allowing them to buy the uniforms they need and the money from sales can go back into the school and be used to buy more library books or fund school trips. Nearly half a million pounds has been secured to support homelessness prevention work across Dudley over the next three years. Dudley Council has been given a grant of £485,000 in the most recent round of government funding. The money will bolster existing services to support people at risk of becoming homeless and the small number of people found rough sleeping. The council will use some of the money to recruit a new member of staff to provide additional welfare advice and to continue to cover the cost of existing outreach support workers. The rest of the money will be used to continue vital work to help prevent people losing their home or tenancy, to provide emergency accommodation, essential items for those people who become homeless and to help people secure a long-term home. Although more than 2,000 people contacted the Council's Homelessness Prevention Service for support in 2021, the prevention work ensures the number of people sleeping rough remains very low across Dudley. Councillor Laura Taylor-Childs, Cabinet Member for Housing and Community Services, said, We welcome this additional funding from the government in order to continue and boost the support we are able to provide to people who find themselves in unthinkable situations. Every person should have a roof over their head and this is why our prevention work is incredibly important. We're committed to doing all we can to help keep people off the streets. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's fast food themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. How many McDonald's shops are in the UK? Question 2. Who founded Pizza Hut? 
Question three. What is the most popular type of takeaway food? Question four. Where in the world does the word curry originate? Question five. When was newspaper wrapping for fish and chips discontinued? And finally, question six. How many portions of fish and chips do us Brits eat in total annually? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Thank you very much for those mouth-watering questions, Mina. I'll, of course, give those a ponder. Up now, we have another block of local news. And kicking this off for us, we first hear Ian. A cake shop where mouse activity was found has been fined thousands of pounds. Cam Cake Shop in Amblecote was found to have made four offences which have cost the company £8,000. Dudley Council's Environmental Health Officers visited the shop back in July 2021, where evidence of mouse activity was found. The company was served with an emergency closure notice and the takeaway remained closed while the pest activity was dealt with. The shop currently remains closed. A case was brought against the company, Cam Cake Shop Limited, and its director, Karampal Singh Verk, which was heard in Dudley Magistrates Court on August the 31st. The council's case highlighted four offences, including failure to keep the premises clean, a failure to ensure that adequate pest control procedures were in place, a failure to prevent contamination of wrapped materials whilst being stored, and a failure to provide adequate hand-washing facilities. Verk pleaded guilty to all four offences on behalf of the company and as director. The company was fined £8,000 and ordered to pay costs at £813 and a victim surcharge of £190, payable at £750 per month. Verk was fined £460 and ordered to pay costs at £813 and victim surcharge of £46. Councillor Ian Bevan, Cabinet Member for Public Health, said, This is another successful case brought about thanks to the thorough investigations by our environmental health officers. Let this be a warning to other businesses. We will take action where businesses fail to comply to standards and not hesitate to take people and companies to court. A couple has been left feeling blue after they were told to remove the bright blue colour from their front path. Paul Ryder lives with his partner at their home in Pendiford and decided to paint his front path blue after completing other decorative work in their back garden. Three weeks later, the couple received a phone call from their landlord, Bromford Housing, in which they were told to remove the paint within four to six weeks or they will face a minor tenancy breach. Correspondence they have received has left the pair somewhat confused as to how things will progress. They have been told they should have asked for permission to complete such work. Paul said, We were told to remove the colour or paint it grey to follow suit with everyone else in the area. We have tried to make our home our own and feel like they are controlling what we can do. We were told we had four to six weeks to remove it, but I looked at my tenancy agreement and there wasn't anything about the garden. I asked what would happen if I don't change it and they told me I would have a minor breach of tenancy. The pair, determined to keep their home how they want it, have asked the landlord to confirm in writing that it must be removed. 
An MP has called for urgent intervention to resurrect plans for a new police station in Stourbridge. West Midlands Police and Dudley Council were in talks for a new base in the town to replace the one in New Road that closed in 2017. Council chiefs are understood to have identified a site, but Stourbridge MP Suzanne Webb says talks between the two parties had now collapsed. She has written to West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner Simon Foster, urging him to prioritise a police station in Stourbridge. In her letter, she said, I was disappointed to learn that plans for a new police presence in Stourbridge have fallen through. There was real optimism in the spring when I understand talks between Dudley Borough Council and the police were close to an agreement on the location of a new permanent base in Stourbridge. It would be beneficial for my constituents if we could all agree that it would be hugely important for the town to bring back a police presence. For some time now, it has been clear and accepted truth that Stourbridge needs a permanent police base and it should be a priority for West Midlands Police to conclude this matter. A spokesperson for the West Midlands PCC said, We remain committed to a police base in Stourbridge. West Midlands Police are continuing to work with Dudley Council and other agencies to find a base for neighbourhood officers. So far, the options presented have either not met the requirements needed by the police or have not been in the condition required. We would be more than happy to discuss the latest situation and work with her to deliver for the people of Stourbridge. People will be able to have their say on plans to build a health facility and new homes in Wolverhampton. Proposals have been put forward to build 24 housing units and a health and wellbeing site on the former Oxley Day Training Centre. Residents will be able to view the design outside Probert Road Surgery between 3.30pm and 6pm on September 24th at the event. It will then be submitted as part of the outline planning application for the currently vacant council-owned Probert Road site. Councillor Bupinda Gakal, Cabinet Member for City Assets and Housing, said, This is an ambitious proposal that makes use of a brownfield site that is no longer in use. Following our successful community event held earlier this summer and the engagement workshop with stakeholders, we gained very useful feedback from a cross-section of the community. The feedback received was instrumental in shaping the final design of the Oxley project as it helped identify further opportunities to benefit the community and we are looking forward to showcasing it to residents on September 24th. The new community facility will provide invaluable health and wellbeing services for the local community and will also help deliver more and better homes in Oxley. Anyone who requires any further information about the community event should email oxleyconsultation at asacoms.co.uk or call 01952 221 Dudley Council has launched a new recruitment agency under the name Connect to Dudley. Designed to attract and retain talent, it will provide candidates with an easy-to-follow application process and gives the local authority the ability to reinvest back into the borough. Councillor Sean Kesey, Dudley Council's Cabinet Member for Digital, Customer and Commercial Services, said, 
Connect to Dudley is going to deliver proactive, cost-effective recruitment solutions for our authority. It will support the council in bringing tangible benefits to the residents of Dudley Borough by increasing job opportunities. We want this to be an approachable and accessible service supporting a diverse, inclusive and resilient workforce guided by our values. Coming up next, we have some information about a site loss event taking place in Wolverhampton and site loss advisor Pete provides us with some information on digital magnifiers. On Tuesday the 4th of October, the Macular Society are running a site loss awareness day at the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton from 10am to 2pm. Come along and learn about age-related macular degeneration. Organisations attending the event will include Beacon Centre for the Blind, RNIB's Braille and Tech Group, Vision Aid Technologies, ICANN, Staffordshire Cricket, New Cross Eye Clinic and many more. For details about the event, please contact Amanda Reid on 07432-700-478. If you need a bit of help with reading, have you thought about trying a video magnifier? A video magnifier is where you look at reading material through a screen. Now, video magnifiers come in different sizes, so they can have small handheld magnifiers, small enough that you can take out with you, through to large desktop magnifiers that you keep permanently on a desk or a table. So a video magnifier, you can change magnification levels. So if your eyesight changes, you can press a button and increase the magnification level, or you can decrease the magnification level. The other advantage of a video magnifier is you can change contrast or backgrounds. So you might be looking at something in true color, but press a button, turn it into black and white, press the button again, turn it into reverse, so it's white writing on a black background, press the button again and then again for different combinations. They can be yellow and black, black on yellow, blue on yellow, it's whatever suits you, it's whatever works for you. So there's lots of flexibility with a video magnifier. You can adjust the brightness on them as well. And some you can store pictures on there and some have reading lines to make it easy for you to follow text whilst you're reading. So if you are struggling a little bit, maybe a video magnifier could be the answer. Now, if you'd like to try one, you can here at Beacon. Just give us a call and make an appointment and bring something in with you that you struggle to read with and just try it and see if it helps you. So if you'd like to try a video magnifier, give us a call at Beacon on 01902 880 and ask for a sight loss advisor. So if you'd like an appointment to try a video magnifier, it's 01902 880 You are listening to the Black Country Talking News. Up next... We have our final block of local news. And kicking this one off for us, we first hear Angela. Starbridge Glass Museum is appealing to glass artists across the UK to donate any unwanted or unloved old pieces as part of an initiative to raise funds for the visitor attraction. Owned and managed by the British Glass Foundation charity, the museum relies on the goodwill of visitors and support from bodies such as the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Under the museum's Something Old for Something New scheme, 
second-hand glass pieces are to be auctioned free of charge without reserve in October by Foundation Trustee Will Farmer, who is also a director at Fielding's Auctioneers. The pieces will be displayed ahead of the sale at the museum, which is particularly keen to receive pieces that have an interesting backstory. Graham Knowles, chairman of the British Glass Foundation, said the auction was a novel way of giving unwanted items a new lease of life while supporting a good cause. He said, something old for something new has the potential to raise vital funds for the museum, which now makes a significant contribution to both local heritage and tourism. The scheme is also a great way of collating and studying glass art and fits well with our mission to showcase glass art in all its forms. If you're a glass artist or even a member of the public and have a piece of glass art tucked away in your studio or attic that you would like to see put to new use, please consider donating it to the museum for the auction. And if it has an interesting history, so much the better. Items should be delivered to Fielding's Auctioneers in Mill Race Lane, Stourbridge or Stourbridge Glass Museum before September 30th for auction on October 21st. For further information, contact Will at Fielding's on 01384 or Lynn Bullin at Stourbridge Glass Museum on 01384 900-447 A Wolverhampton couple have received one of the last anniversary messages sent out during the Queen's 70-year reign. Margaret and Bernard Anthony Price from Gorse Road in Wensfield celebrated their diamond wedding anniversary on Thursday after marrying at Holy Trinity Church Heathtown on September 8th, 1962. To mark the occasion, the couple received a congratulatory card from Her Majesty. The card arrived on Wednesday, which was also Bernard's 82nd birthday. Grandson Jamie said they were over the moon. They were amazed and thought it was lovely. It's extra special now. It means the world to them. The card has been put on display along with flowers and other cards sent to celebrate their 60-year marriage with family members gathering at their home this week to celebrate their anniversary. It was wonderful, Margaret said. We do love her. Messages are sent by the monarch for those celebrating their 100th and 105th birthdays and every year after that, as well as couples enjoying their 60th and 65th wedding anniversaries, as well as every anniversary from 70 years onwards, in a tradition dating back to 1917. The anniversaries office has said it is not currently sending congratulatory messages in the wake of the Queen's death, while submitted applications are not currently being processed. A statement on the Royal Family website adds, If you have already made an online or postal application to the anniversaries office, it will be processed when operations resume and you will receive confirmation that a message has been arranged. Merry Hill shoppers are celebrating the long-awaited return of its popular Halloween megastore. Halloween House is now open at the shopping centre following huge demand and this year it has moved to a megastore on the Lower Mall, opposite Boots, retaining its title of Europe's biggest Halloween store 
and bringing more than 20 jobs for the local community. From classic costumes and horror masks to makeup and home decor, the store stocks one of the largest collections of Halloween merchandise available for adults and children. This year, the store will stock a new collection of merchandise from the popular Netflix series Stranger Things, as well as horror-themed t-shirts, games and jigsaws. The new store also includes a selection of large, moving and talking animated props, including a 12-foot towering reaper and Keiji the Clown, ready to entertain shoppers. There are spooky surprises around every corner to send shivers down your spine. Shoppers can take a selfie with their favourite horror movie characters in the store's eerie cemetery scene, visit the butcher shop, and new this year there's a sinister-looking Pennywise who is up to no good with Georgie. Rebecca Macchioni, assistant manager at Halloween House, said, We are really proud and excited to open Europe's biggest Halloween store again and are celebrating our fourth successful year at Merry Hill. We're all about the customers and their in-store experience at Halloween House. It's heartwarming to see children and families enjoying themselves and shopping for this fun and ever-popular spooky celebration. We are a destination store and have already had customers travel from all over the UK to visit us, and people are going crazy over our new interactive, new mega store. A fundraising event, including a 13-hour pool marathon, will take place next month in memory of a much-loved woman from Wolverhampton who died earlier this year. Family and friends will take to the Goodyear Pavilion on Stafford Road for the fun day on October the 1st to raise vital funds for Lupus UK and to remember Emma Unit. The outgoing 39-year-old from the Ford Houses area of the city was diagnosed with a condition just after Christmas time and passed away a few weeks after that. Martin Cook, who is best friends with Emma's husband, Keith Unit, said she was a nice, outgoing girl who liked a good laugh and liked to go out partying when she was able to and was a very family-orientated person. We used to go out in a group and for New Year we'd all get together. All her friends, their better halves and all the children and everyone got on really well. We're like one big family. So we're doing a 13-hour pool marathon There's seven of us doing that and we're going to have a raffle and things like that to make it a family fun day. And we've got the football match in the afternoon with Wolves playing and then some live entertainment too. The money raised will go to Lupus UK, which is the only national registered charity which supports people with lupus and people who are approaching diagnosis. Mr Cook, who is from Ford Houses, said they want to raise as much as possible and was in the process of setting up a Facebook page where people will be able to share a link to donate. Carol singing and new tied characters will be among the festive treats at the Black Country Living Museum. Tickets are on sale for the attraction's Christmas programme, which will see the museum's historic shops, houses and workshops transformed for its brand new a Merry Makers event on December 3rd and 4th. The museum will become a festive factory due to the man who wears a red suit running out of room for presents in his workshop. To help save the day, the museum has offered to let the elves take over the canal side village. Visitors will get to meet Christmassy characters and learn how the elves, toy soldiers and the sugar plum fairies prepare for the 25th of December. 
Those who would like to meet the man with a big white beard can take part in a hunt featuring elves and clues from the 26th of November to the 24th of December. The attraction will also be, be open for family and friends to celebrate the birth of Jesus alongside historic characters and carol singers on the evenings of the 9th of December, 10th, 16th, 17th and 18th of December. Book tickets online via bclm.com slash christmas at bclm. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone. How are you all doing this week? As well as can be, I hope. Any road up. I've been struggling to find a topic for this week, so I've pulled out the stops and reverted to a favourite of mine, food. Now then, did you know that? With nearly 1,300 outlets in the UK, McDonald's ranks highly in the takeaway food sector. Since 1940, when the brothers Richard and Maurice McDonald founded the brand, McDonald's has over 38,000 outlets worldwide, selling over 2.4 million Big Macs every day. And it's not uncommon to think that Pizza Hut is named after its restaurant's roof shape. However, there's no profound reason behind its name. Founders Frank and Dan Carney went with what they could fit under the sign, thereby proving that practicality rules art. The most popular takeaway dish is Chinese, pushing Indian food into second place and fish and chips into third. Chinese food was voted Britain's favourite takeaway food. In fact, chicken chow mein is the nation's favourite takeaway. The word curry has a very different meaning in India. In India, curry is used to refer to the sauce and not the dishes. The British started using the word curry as a shorthand for all the local food during their rule. And like the words shampoo and veranda, bungalow and pyjamas, which are also from India, the word curry has also stuck. Oh, I nearly forgot about fish and chips. Fish and chips were first served together as a dish around 1860, although their origin is contested. In London, the Malin family claims to be first, as do the Lee family in Manchester. Our fish and chips were served in newspaper until the 1980s, when new hygiene laws prevented it. It was also found that the ink contained solvents that tainted the food. No wonder they hadn't tasted the same since. And us British consumers eat some 382 million portions of fish and chips every year. That's six servings for every man, woman and child. Annual spend on fish and chips in the UK is in the region of a staggering £1.2 billion. Well then, fish and chips may only rank third in the popularity stakes, but to me they are the king of treats and evoke lots of memories from my misspent youth. But that's another story. In road up. I'm off. I can smell the chippy calling. I might go mad and have some mushy peas. So ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra. Ooh, I do hope there's plenty of batter bits left though. Ta-ra. Cheers for that, Roger. Insightful as always. Up now then, we're over into the football news. Hello, I'm Ian and here's your latest football news.
Premier League and EFL fixtures across last weekend were postponed following the sad death of Queen Elizabeth II. Wolves were due to travel to Anfield, with Albion heading to Coventry, but those games were cancelled along with all other fixtures last weekend. Earlier, the Digital, Culture, Media and Sport Department of the Government met with sporting bosses to discuss the way forward following the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. It was decided that there would be no obligation for sporting events to be cancelled and that a decision would be at the discretion of the individual sporting bodies. The FA in Northern Ireland moved first in cancelling football fixtures and that was followed by both the Premier League and the EFL. Fixtures will now be rearranged and slotted into an already tightly packed schedule at the next opportunity. Wolves boss Bruno Large admits he is pleased the transfer window is closed so that forward Huang Hee Chan can concentrate on his football. The South Korean was drawing interest from a number of clubs towards the end of the window as Leeds had an offer rebuffed by Wolves. Huang had a nightmare week when he missed a penalty against Preston in the Caribou Cup before his mistake handed Newcastle a late equaliser in the Premier League clash and Large believes that the speculation affected the 26-year-old. I am still happy with him and I don't change a word about the player and professional he is. Those mistakes sometimes happen because there's too much talk around the player. This is not good for the player when there is a lot of talk about him. Now I know that some people made a lot of pressure for him to go. I don't know if any proposal came. What I know is that he was here and I don't change a word of what I say about him. I like him and know what he can do when he's in a good moment. I don't have any doubts. Albion are heading in the right direction according to midfielder OK Yokuzlu and they need just one click to get on a run. So far Steve Bruce's side have won just one of their opening eight games but have drawn six. They've dominated almost every game they have played so far creating numerous chances but they haven't been able to put the ball in the net regularly something Yokuzlu admitted needs to change. But the Turk, who returned to the club this summer, insists they will come good. He said, my opinion is that the season is so long and there's still so much of it to go. You only have to look at the examples of last year. Some of the teams started really well and some of the teams started really badly. Just because a team has a good or a bad start, it doesn't determine anything. We are heading in the right direction. The most important thing is to have confidence and belief in ourselves. We want to try and have a lot of possession and create lots of chances. We haven't got the results yet, but for me, we have a good team and a good squad and we know we can get results. Some of our performances have been really good and I think the fans would agree with that. We just need that one click to start winning games and I hope it will come very soon. Up now, we have to hit what the webfast in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for the week ahead looks to be mostly dry and settled. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 15 degrees. UV levels are expected to be moderate throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 6.50am for the sunrise and 7.13pm for the sunset. For Friday 16th of September and Saturday 17th of September, we have sunny moments and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. For Sunday 18th of September, we have light cloud and a gentle breeze 
with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. On Monday 19th of September through to Wednesday 21st of September, it's sunny spells and light winds with a maximum temperature of 19 degrees. And for Thursday 22nd of September, it's light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 18 degrees. So that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Are you ready to get moving? Well, let's hope so, because up now, we have the 10 Today Workout. Hello everyone, this is 10 Today, a 10-minute set of exercises to do at home to help keep yourself active. Before we get to today's presenter, a couple of housekeeping points to note. The 10 Today project is funded by the Big Lottery and Sport England, and when you're doing the exercises, it's important that you don't push yourself too far, and by taking part, you agree to 10 Today's terms and conditions. You can read these terms and conditions at tnflink.uk forward slash 10T, and the 10T is the digit 1, the digit 0, and the letter T. And please remember that you agree to take part at your own risk. Today's exercises are brought to you by Steph, and here she is. Hello everyone, and welcome to 10 Today, Series 2, Session 9. These are short, 10-minute physical activity routines which will get you moving and stretching. They're great for your health, including boosting your mood. And very importantly, they are designed to support your everyday movements, your functional fitness, your flexibility, balance and mobility, such as when you have to reach up, turn, bend down and so on. These simple routines will help you with that. Just take them at your own pace, there are plenty of options. If an exercise feels too much, then just take it easy and have a break. All the exercises can be done either standing up or sitting down, so just do whatever feels good for you today. When lifting your arms or knees, only go as far as is comfortable. If you have any problems with your knees or hips, take care not to twist them during the movements. It can also help to pull in your tummy when you're bending your back, and just breathe normally throughout these activities. We want you all to do these activities safely. You're responsible for monitoring how you're feeling throughout the sessions. If you feel any discomfort or pain, for example, if you feel unwell or dizzy, or experience palpitations, then please stop and seek medical advice. Please remember you agree to take part at your own risk. If you're remaining seated, it would be ideal if you can use a hard chair, preferably one without arms, such as a dining chair that you can sit upright in with a straight back and your feet flat on the floor. If you're standing, just step your feet hip width apart, relax your shoulders and take a good strong stance. And you might want to have a sturdy chair nearby to hold on to sometimes for balance. We hope you enjoyed 10 today. So we're just going to start with a warm up. You're just going to quickly tap or pat different parts of your body. So briefly tap along each arm, one at a time, in different places your upper arm, your forearm and your wrist. Do the same on both arms. Then pat the top of both legs, just quickly tapping up and down your legs in various places towards your knees for a few seconds. You should be nicely warmed up now and ready to move. We're going to start with turn to the sun. Start by turning your upper body to the right, keeping your feet facing forwards. 
Raise both arms above your head with your palms facing upwards as if you're pushing towards the sun. It's a nice fluid movement, so now lower your arms back down by your sides and your palms facing down and push your hands towards the floor. Then turn your upper body to the left, raise both arms above your head again with your palms up and lower them back down, pushing your palms downwards. Just repeat this a few times on each side. So turning from left to right and pushing those arms up high and then pushing them back down again. Keep going. Try to keep your arms straight and vertical if you can. This is great for your wrists, shoulders and your hip rotation. The next one is called Mountain Lion. Raise both arms up in the air above your head, then swing them both down to the left hand side as far as is comfortable. Take them back up over your head and swing them both down to the right hand side this time. So it's a nice flowing movement, starting from the centre with your arms above your head and sweeping them both down to the left, back up to the centre and then down to the right in a continuous movement. Keep going a bit longer, sweeping those arms in a semicircle shape from left to right. Try to get your arms a bit higher if you can. This is really good for your arms, shoulders and your core. Next up, it's Taylor's Way. If you're standing, you might want to hold on to a sturdy chair for balance. Just raise your right leg from the floor and cross it over the knee of the left leg, mimicking the action of crossing your legs while standing up. Then just switch legs, this time standing on your left leg and crossing your right one over it. Keep going for a few more times, alternating legs each time. If you're sitting, you can just cross your legs as you might normally do when you're in a chair, swapping from one to the other. If you can't quite cross your legs, just move each one towards the other. So a couple more times now, crossing one leg over the other and alternating each time. This is really good for your core and your back. Well done. This one is called figure of eight. So, in the usual starting position with your feet hip width apart and your shoulders relaxed, hold both arms out in front of you at about chest height, keeping them relaxed with your elbows bent. Then, move your arms together, side by side, to slowly make a big figure of eight shape in the air with your hands as if the eight's lying on its side in front of you. Just keep going, making that figure of eight shape in a continuous flowing movement, keeping it nice and slow. Try making a wider figure of eight if you can. That's great. This is so good for your arms and shoulders and your hip movement. Next up, it's balance the load. Start by stretching out both arms to each side at about shoulder height. Then tilt your left arm down so your right arm goes up at the same time. A bit like an old scale balance or an airplane. Lift up onto the toes of your right foot as you tilt. Then tilt the other way so it's the right arm down this time, left arm up and onto the toes of your left foot. Keep going with this movement for a few more times, alternating from left to right. Try and get those arms a bit higher and a bit lower if you can. This is great for your balance and coordination. Well done. This next one is called shooting the bow. This one follows the action of shooting a bow and arrow. 
You're going to shoot to the left and right by just twisting your upper body. Start by holding your arms in front of your chest with your hands crossed at the wrists and palms facing towards you. Twist on your hips to the left, then pull your right elbow out to the right and hold your left arm to the left as if you're taking aim. Hold that position briefly, then switch to the other side. So twisting on your hips to the right this time, pulling your bent left elbow out to the left and stretching your right arm out to the right. Just do a few of these on each side, alternating each time. Try keeping your arms at shoulder level if you can. This is good for hip rotation and your arms and shoulders. Now it's time for curl the ankle. If you're standing, it's helpful to hold on to a chair for balance for this one. Just lift your left foot a few inches from the floor, point that leg straight out in front of you and rotate your ankle outwards so that your foot makes small circles in the air. Make that circular ankle movement a few times and then place your foot back down and swap to the right leg. Lift that foot from the floor, point your leg out and curl your ankle outwards to make those circular movements with your foot. Repeat this a few more times with each leg, alternating each time. Try lifting your leg a little bit higher if you can. Good work! This is a great one for your legs, ankles and your core. The next exercise is called loose the bolas. So in the start position, with your feet hip width apart and shoulders relaxed, start by stretching out both arms to each side at about shoulder height, with your palms facing downwards. Now, slowly roll your shoulders backwards to rotate your arms. Turn your upper body to the left, still rolling your shoulders and rotating your arms. Do three rotations on that side and then twist to the right and do the same again for another count of three. Turn back to the left side for a few more, moving your shoulders backwards and then finish by turning to the right and do a few more rotations on your right side. Try to keep your arms at shoulder level and make wider circles if you can. This is so good for your shoulders, arms and chest and hip rotation too. This next one is calm the waves. Twist your upper body to the right, bending your knees slightly if you're standing and sweep both arms upwards so your hands are about head height or as high as comfortable. Now sweep both arms back down to your sides in one flowing movement. Then twist your upper body to the left this time and sweep both arms upwards and back down to your sides again in that same continuous motion. Turn again to the right, sweeping both arms up and back down, then twist to the left, raising those arms up and then back down. Keep going with this, doing a few more on each side, keeping that flowing movement. Try to get your arms a little bit higher and a little bit lower if you can. This is another good one for hip rotation, shoulders and your core. And the last one is casting the net. Imagine the action of casting a fishing net from a gently swaying boat for this one. So just lean forwards, bending your knees if you're standing. Lower both arms towards the outside of your left leg, then swing your arms slowly upward. Straighten up and throw your hands up in the air as if you're casting a net into the water. Lean forwards again and lower both arms towards the outside of your right leg this time. Swing your arms up again, 
and then throw your hands up to cast that net. Aim for a continuous flowing movement if you can as you cast out first from one side and then from the other. Keep going with this for a few more times on each side, trying to swing your arms a bit higher and a bit lower if you can. It's another great one for your arms and shoulders and your core. So that's all the exercises done. We're just going to finish with a quick shake to cool down. So raise both arms up above your head towards the ceiling and just briefly wave your hands and arms in the air. Then lift one leg slightly from the floor if you can, shake it out in the air for a second or two. Raise the other leg and shake that one out too. Or you can just shake your upper body instead. So that's the end of the session. Great work everyone, we hope you enjoyed it. Doing 10 today just three times a week can have positive benefits for your physical health and improving your well-being too. It's short, it's fun and you'll simply feel better. So do keep going. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out as we have the quiz answers. Hello and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question one. How many McDonald's shops are there in the UK? And the answer, 1,300. Question two, who founded Pizza Hut? And the answer, Frank and Dan Carney. Question three, what is the most popular type of takeaway food? And the answer here is, one of my favourites, Chinese. Question four, where in the world does the word curry originate? And the answer here is India. Question five. When was newspaper wrapping for fish and chips discontinued? And the answer here is around 1980. And finally, question six. How many portions of fish and chips do us Brits eat in total annually? And the answer here is... 382 million. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of someone playing the spoons. Now to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have a reminder of how much life has changed since the late Queen came to the throne in the 1950s. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Between the fall of Attlee's Labour government and the return of Labour under Harold Wilson, Britain went through a time which some believe to be a golden-tinted era of lost content. To millions of others, these were the grey, conformist, thirteen wasted years of Tory misrule. It seems that today's British, when they think about the fifties, cannot decide whether to idealise or to mock. This is for a good reason. Before the arrival of the 60s and rebel consumerism, this was, for the last time, 
truly a different country. People still looked different. No schoolboy was without a cap and shorts. Every woman is a housewife. Hair cream, corsets and pipe tobacco are advertised everywhere. Hats and moustaches adorn Mr. Average. Britain was still a military nation whose generals were famous public figures and whose new jet bombers provoked gasps of pride. National service, which was introduced by Attlee in 1947 to replace wartime conscription and began properly at the beginning of 1949, would last until 1963, bringing more than two million young British men into the forces. This was a huge, often underestimated social force. It brought all classes together at a young and vulnerable age, subjecting them to ferocious discipline, often to privation, and sometimes to real danger. Some of the anti-authority anger and sarcasm of British plays and novels derived directly or indirectly from national service. But so did the habits of polishing, dressing smartly, and conforming to authority. In general, it probably kept some of the spirit of the forties going for a decade longer than would have otherwise have happened. The return of Winston Churchill and so many familiar faces from the war years and before suggested that, as many middle-class people hoped, the country really could return to the moral order and professional hierarchies they vaguely recalled before the war. Tough action by the Home Office and the police against crime had produced clear results. The country was, at one level, orderly. Patriotism was proclaimed publicly, loudly and unselfconsciously in a way that would quickly become hard to imagine. In the early fifties, Britain was a worldwide player, connected and modern. Australia, New Zealand and South Africa were promoted as places for holiday cruises or emigration. A British California, the new frontier. This was not a country which is closed to foreign influence, far from it. But the influences seemed as strong from Italy or Scandinavia as from America. Coffee bars, Danish design, scooters, and something promoted as Italian Welsh Rabbit, later widely known as pizza, were all in evidence. This is a time when the idea of powerful, self-confident, independent Britain, independent of American culture, seemed not only possible, but likely. Per capita, Britain was still the second richest major country in the world. After the 1953 coronation of the new Queen, there was much talk, albeit slightly self-conscious, of the new Elizabethan age, a reborn nation served by great composers, artists and scientists. In retrospect, the world-class musical talents of Vaughan Williams and Benjamin Britten and the great poets of the age, W. H. Auden and T. S. Eliot, partly vindicated this prediction. In popular culture, the steady rise of television brought, at first, a traditionalist English upper-crust view of the world to millions of homes. This was the age of Andy Pandy and gardening tips, of Joyce Grenfell and Noel Cowart. It was also the time of Roger Bannister and his four-minute mile, the conquest of Everest, triumphs in yachting and football. Even in the world of adventure and sport, Britain was doing well. With Nobel Prize-winning science in physics and biology, there was no sign yet of the brain drain of scientists to the United States. To be British was something to be proud of. Even the mild hooligan element was homegrown. 
the exotic and expensive costumes of the teddy boys, with their velvet collars, long jackets and foppish waistcoats, were modelled on English Edwardian dress. The future, as it seemed to many in the early fifties, would have seen Britain as a more egalitarian but also conservative country, cosy and fair. As the world economy recovered after the war, employment was high and inflation, though quietly growing, was relatively low. Houses were being built in their tens of thousands year by year, and whole new towns were emerging from the mud. This was the Britain remembered fondly by so many older people in the early 21st century. A land of restraint, decency, untainted by the material and other excesses to come. A nation of carefully washed cars, clipped hedges, pressed trousers and shiny toe caps. Of old hymns in old churches and patriotic children's comics reaching out to a better future. There is a lot of truth in the caricature, but this was also the Britain of frustrated, bored, resentful people being shouted at, and at a country being ruled by complacent, out-of-touch cliques. These were busy, bustling years in global politics, and at home there would be resignations and scandals aplenty. Yet there has never been a time in modern history when government seemed less relevant to what was happening in the country. The new welfare state settlement created by Labour was mostly left alone. Of the controversial nationalisations, only a couple were reversed. The rising power and militancy of the trade unions was not confronted. No great changes were made to government spending, and therefore to overall levels of taxation. Few social reforms were contemplated, still less enacted. Photographs of Macmillan and his cabinet show genial, prosperous, rather grand men. They looked pleased with themselves. In private, many had difficult lives and had fought hard in war, but the impression is not unfair. It was a closed world of friends and rivals from Oxford, Eton and the armed forces, many of them related. After the 1950s, Britain would never be governed quite this way again. TNS Soundings So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880111. Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!